show. Once again, we have a fabulous lineup of guests to energize and inspire you. It's time to wake up your wow with your host, international award-winning speaker, Kath Vincent. Is your frown stopping you getting a job? Medical expert Francis Pitsillas on appearance medicine. From rock star to meditation musician, composer Jeffrey Clarkson on the workings of the meditation mind. Livewire Annette Fenton on how to communicate for safety's sake. And in the Wild Records music slot with Jesse Wilde, we hear original music from Hello Sailor legend Harry Lyon. All this and more to wake up your wow. Francis, welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, it's wonderful being here. Now, listen, you're a medical practitioner, but you specialise now in cosmetics. Well, I do some cosmetic medicine, yeah. but it uh, complements the chronic illness medicine that I do, you see. Interesting. So what happened was that about 15 years ago, as I was building up my chronic illness practice, I decided to learn to use botulinum toxin for tension, headache and migraine. Right, so tell us a bit more about that. Well, in fact, I've researched it and given a lecture on it as well at an international conference. But believe it or not, people who are suffering severely from tension, headache, headache and migraine can get relief with botulinum toxin. So botulinum toxin is what exactly? Well, the brand names that are out there are Botox, Dysport and Xeomin. Right. And what it is, is very, very dilute, purified poison. Oh, weird. So you could get Botox because you've got a migraine and it would help to ease that? In many cases, but we need to know that the headache starts in a certain place and there's a whole lot of criteria that we use to help us understand whether the treatment will actually work. Right. So, But I only use that in my clinic as a last resort because yeah. I'm able to address all the medical root causes yes. and I tend to use it only if I have to or if I want to give that person a period of relief while we're getting everything else done. How interesting. Did you know that if you put botulinum toxin in the frown lines, that it reduces depression? Oh, really? Yes. Oh, actually, I could do with a bit right there. I have got... Well, got come, come and see me any time. <laughs> OK, I will, I will. So, so um, tell me a bit more about... This whole thing about cosmetic medicine is mm. a little bit controversial. What kinds of people are actually using it now? Everyday people are having um, uh, cosmetic medicine. They're doing it because their grandchildren are saying, Grandma, why are you frowning? Yeah. Or if you're a teacher at school and you don't want the children to think you're angry at them because you don't even know that you're frowning. Yeah. Or if you're a business person and you want to look more approachable. Yes. So there are business people telling their colleagues, you go and get your botulinum toxin done so that you can look more approachable. Oh. We have got people seriously needing to look younger to remain in work because of the ageism yes. that is out there. And whether you like it or not, the nicer looking person gets the job. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess in some way we're conditioned to think that nicer looking people are more approachable in some way. There's something about your appearance somehow opens more doors for you. Yeah. Um, and, and people, I think, have picked up on that and they'll do anything they can to remain in work and be successful. And it's mostly women, I imagine, or, or is it? The men are growing and, and they're doing it for other reasons. They're also doing it because 
we've got one patient at the moment who's a lovely man and he works in corporate and he's sick of his acne scarring from when he was young yeah. and after our first needling with platelets treatment we call it the vampire Ooh. facial yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, his skin has softened yeah. in one treatment and he loves it and and it's helping him because you know he's got to look good in his corporate so we are get, men are getting into this a lot more they're having the botox for the um, approachable look um, they want to look better men are having fillers as well so what trends are you seeing now well what we know from a lot of the international studies is number one is the botulinum toxin because you know, I can feel myself frowning. <laughs> I can literally go, what trends? I go, don't frown, don't frown. So, so you've got the botulinum toxin because it's easy and you, you walk in and you walk out and it's affordable. Yeah. Right. It's so a, typically, how much are we talking about? Oh, just in, ask it. In, in New Zealand dollars, you might be talking about two or $300 for your frown line. Yeah. And is that lasting though? Well, it depends on the product and it depends on how much you use. And some of the products last longer than the others. So yeah. you're getting three to five months out of it. But the thing about the frown line is that because you get out of the habit of frowning, oh. your wrinkles remodel and you stop frowning and then you need less and less. Oh, that sounds good. That mm. sounds good. I, I'm actually going to stop frowning now. There we All go. right. Now, the second trend yeah. for cosmetic is dermal fillers. Right. And the third trend is the vampire facial. This is using your own platelets from your blood to do the rejuvenating of your skin. So what you're talking about is stuff that's already inherent in your blood can yeah. heal and, yeah. and sort out your skin. And that's what I really like um, about what I do is because I can use platelets medically or cosmetically. Right. Um, so what platelets contain are more than 30 growth factors that will go into your skin or your knee joint yeah. or your shoulder joint and say, OK, boys, what do we need here? And they'll put out what they need to regrow, correct, reduce pain, reduce inflammation, and they stimulate your local stem cells. So this is your own repair kit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So obviously some people have had cosmetic disasters out in the world. Mm. What advice would you give someone if they're thinking about going on this journey of adjusting their appearance a little bit? Well, I think if you can, you need to look after your internal health first yeah. because that really will enhance your external appearance before you've even started. Yes, great advice. Um, and then I think there's been an increased trend towards um, non-surgical um, cosmetic treatments. People are moving away from having a facelift or having a, an operation which carries with it risk and downtime to things where they can just walk in, walk out. So the advice that I would give is that you would look at um, a balanced holistic approach to the people that are treating you. You'd ask as many questions as you can um, and the people that are treating you should be giving you all the information, and we call that informed consent. Yes. So you need to know what else you could do, what your options are, and what could go wrong. Yeah, mm. and I like the idea that you have about a holistic approach. You mm. know, it's not just, oh, I'll live a really awful lifestyle and yeah. then just try and fix my skin. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's much better. And with my chronic illness patients, what happens is that they start to look better as they get healthier. Yes. And then some of them say, Oh, I'd like a bit of appearance medicine now. Yeah, and hey, nothing wrong with feeling great. Exactly. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us, Francis. My pleasure. Next up, find yourself through meditative music.
Jeffrey, welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks, Kath. Great to be here. Hey, you're yeah. looking good. I see you've got your rock and roll jacket on. I have, haven't I? It's a, it's a hemp jacket. There's a statement being made here. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. You have a history in rock and roll, I and do. now you create meditation music. I do. A big jump it was. Yeah. And it happened around uh, 1980. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd been in a band, uh, Flight X7, and we'd done quite well. But, you know, I was getting over 30 and I, the lifestyle didn't fit me anymore. Yeah. So um, I wanted to just find out where I was supposed to be going. Yeah. And that's when I learned to meditate and found a niche for a new music. Right. So how do you go about composing meditation music? Good question, Kath. Um, what, what I found in meditation was when I was coming out of meditation, there was like um, a twilight zone. Yeah right as you're coming out and I found that I could stay in a meditative state but actually walk around and do things okay. um, but retain the meditative state and and, and by, in and that by that you mean a deep state of relaxation a deep state of relaxation yeah. yeah but I could still walk and play and so I'd, I would have my synthesizer keyboard in front of me I'd be meditating in front of it and I just as I was coming out I'd start playing uh -huh. and it was hands-on keys and I had the ability to edit what I played, but I pretty much got it right. So, and that led me to realise that composers are actually channelers. You mean that it comes to them from some other That's source? Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting, because a lot of people, yeah. you know, musicians will be in, in a, one state or another when they write, you know, so, mm. for example, some yeah. might need to take drugs or drink or yeah. meditate, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think meditation's quite a new thing. For musicians, I don't yeah. think you know music has has kind of kept its distance from meditation in a way, yeah. because music has been about dance and getting into your body and and movement, and whereas meditation is no movement yes. and it's still getting into your body, but in another way. Yeah. So does your music help people meditate? Does it help yeah. them get into that relaxation state? It does. Um, look, after after probably about. Um, 15 years uh, of writing meditation music, I realised I realised that I needed to teach meditation yeah. because I'd learned so much about it myself. And people had this this idea that if you meditate, you'd go dreamy in life and, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> achieve rest, nothing. Yeah, you, know. you achieve nothing, and, and why would you do it anyway? And then there are others who were too scared to sit down because their mind was so busy, all that, all that happened when they sat down was they'd get this <laughs> monkey brain <laughs> going on, you know. That's so, me. Yeah. I am a monkey brain. <laughs> yeah, but the music got over that. Yeah. The music cut right through it. And, and so I realised that I needed to teach a style of meditation uh, using the music. Yeah. And Be I did. Because and, and I guess it's it's a lot yeah. less confronting to sit and listen to music than to actually have complete stillness and silence. Yeah, it is. It is for, for most people. Yeah. And I think that um, a lot of meditation was taught using a mantra, which was a sound, yeah. a word that you didn't know what it meant, but you recycled it in your head. Yeah. And, and, and you just said it over and over. But a lot of people had a problem with that because they had their thoughts going as well. Yeah. And they were being told, well, clear your mind and just have your mantra. Well, people can't clear their mind. Yes. You can't clear your mind. It's a reverse psychology. If you try to do it, it 
happens gets worse, more. Doesn't it? <laughs> Whereas this meant that people using music meant that people didn't have to do anything. They could just sit down, providing the music was at the right level, they could use this music and they'd automatically go into a meditative state, no problem. Interesting. Gosh, I could do with that. Yeah. Because we are all kind of busy and cluttered and full yeah. of, you know, stuff these days, aren't we? Yeah, I, and I think that mental illness is a big thing today. And, yeah. and I did work with some mentally ill with the music and it worked very, very well. But right. I didn't get to work with them for a long period of time. But at, at, a pub, at a lesser level, I guess, everybody has something mental going on within them, you know. They, yeah some weird thing and, um, <laughs> and, and if they meditate, if people meditate, what they're doing is releasing that, that stress that's withheld in their head yeah. and, and the head, after a while the mind begins to clear. And it builds with practice, doesn't it? Each it does. time you practice, yeah. it improves and improves. Yeah. Well, I recommend a daily meditation. Yeah. I still do a daily meditation. I sometimes personally do more. Yeah. How, um, how long would you meditate for? Well, I recommend for 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. So most of my music is 20 minutes long. Yes, that's brilliant, actually. Yeah. And then when the music stops, you know you're done. Yeah. And the music yeah. is structured so that it, it helps a person to go into that state. And once they're in there, it keeps them there. Yeah. Um, and then it lifts them out of it at the end. Yeah. So it, it does that job um, musically. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's also interesting that we live our lives in the world, in the outside world, in the material world. When you meditate, you double your life. You double your life? You double your life because you, you then open your inside world. Yes. The world within you. Yeah. which most people have not explored. Yeah, and, and it's, it's easy to just bypass that, isn't it, yeah. in, in the pace of modern day living. It is, and it's a tangible reality. Yeah. So, you know, when you meditate daily, your meditation tomorrow will take off from yesterday's, and that is the power of the music too. So if you're using a similar piece of music, yeah. um, then you'll feel like, you know, if you're asking a question internally while you're meditating, because I do encourage people to contemplate during their meditation. Mm -hmm. It's about thinking too. Some, you know, some people think, oh, you're not, are you not supposed to meditate, uh, think while you meditate? And I say, no, you're allowed. Look, meditation is about flow. Just let your thoughts go. Be with your thoughts. Yeah. And sometimes you can ask yourself a question in meditation and, and just your internal resources can resolve that, can't they? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the big thing, I think, that people find themselves and they find things, answers to the question they've been searching for their whole lives. Yeah. And suddenly they find it when they start meditating. Well, within six weeks. Wow, within yeah. six weeks. Yeah, well, that, well, that's good to know because be we're all very deadline driven. Six weeks, you'll be okay, you know. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, absolutely. And when, when you say find yourself, I think to some people perhaps who, who aren't, you know, who haven't been on this journey or aren't very spiritual, they may say, find yourself. What does that even mean? What does it mean to you, Jeffrey? Well, to me, I, I guess yeah, it was very, that opens up another question. <laughs> um, when I was about four or five years old, I, I used to hear music in my head yeah. and it was around me and, and, I, and I remembered it. And then when I got involved in rock and roll music later in my life, I forgot about all that. When I left rock and roll music and meditated, it all came meditate, back. It all came back because meditation actually improves your memory retention. Oh, interesting. That's, that's one of the things it does because it clears reason. the stress and so you start remembering things again. Yeah. Um, I started to remember this music and, and much of the music I wrote was what I heard when I was five or six years old. 
Wow. That's where, where it's a lot of the ideas... It's yeah. been waiting all this time. Yeah. And you've enjoyed some fantastic success now, haven't you? I have, yeah. I, I've actually just signed an agreement with um, Sony Music International. Wow, congratulations. Um, yeah, for, my, uh, for digital music. So uh, I went to Melbourne to promote it worldwide and I've done it. <laughs> Good So it's, on it's you. going out there. So I, that's what I'm really happy about. Yeah. yeah, well, congratulations. That's an awesome achievement. Thank you. Just to go back and answer that question, though, um, what, when, I'm, when I'm tapping into that music that I heard all that time ago, that's when I'm being me. And, and, and I think when I, in, in life I've had to do things to make money or to earn a living, or, you know, that's not being me. Yeah. So I think the difference between being yourself, not being yourself, is doing what you have to do is not being you. Doing what you love to do is being you. Oh, that's so, good advice. So if you're doing what you love to do, you're being you. Yeah. If you're not doing what you love to do, you're not being you. That's fantastic and, and, advice. And if you meditate, you'll get that pretty strongly within a couple of months of meditation to get up and do what you came here to do. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, hey, that's, yeah. that's great advice for everyone. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Next up, health and safety, but not as you know it. Annette, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. How exciting. Health and safety is one of those things that people kind of roll their eyes when they talk about. Ooh. It's like, oh, we've got to do X, Y, Z, or we're supposed to do this. Ooh. Why is it like that? Why culturally do people resist what they have to do for health and safety? I think because it's not brought down to them exactly what health and safety really is. Yeah. And what is it in your definition? My definition is you're talking to each other, you're helping each other, you're helping to each other to keep safe yeah. and healthy. We just think about safety. Yes. But healthy is just as important. Yeah. And in fact, what you're doing really is you're moving it away from regulation-bound stuff that seems a bit dull to people communication yeah. about, you know, what matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, in a nutshell, yeah. Okay, what's the hard hat for? Do I need to be worried? <laughs> Not really. It depends where you go to do well, this thing. Well, that's it. We are, you actually don't need one on the set of the Kath Vincent show, okay? So you're okay, okay. here. Okay, right, but just in case, I've got the fluoro jacket, but just in case. <laughs> so listen, you are a bit of a live wire, and I can imagine that in some corporate environments and in some sort of construction-y kind of environments, you'd be kind of obvious. People would spot you. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. In fact, I've actually worked in, in those areas in construction and I was a mechanical engineer. You were a mechanical engineer? Yeah. I didn't know that about you. And I also was the first woman pre-cut manager in New Zealand. A pre-cut manager? Construction. Wow. See, I don't even understand the terminology. Okay. That's, that's yeah. very technical. So it's, it's building and that sort of stuff. So I've been there, done that. So what did your experience in those quite gritty, you know, industrial environments, what did that show you? That they, everybody thought they knew best. Yeah. And those who didn't, didn't want to talk about it. And getting people to, to talk to each other and communicate is the hardest thing ever. Yes. It's too scary or they haven't got time or they can't be bothered. Oh, this get on with it. So how do you cut through that? You want to boil it down to something that people will actually get and understand. How do you do that? By appealing to what they're trying to do and who they are yeah. and then why they can't do stuff like that. Why they can't talk? Or what are the really issues within their company and what's going wrong for them? Right. And then sorting that out. OK, so, so typically, what kind of issues are you working on right now? C can I just show you a classic example sure. of what, I'd, what I've been doing? Now, we're talking health and safety at the moment, right? 
So what are the issues on health? It's the common cold. Mm. People are going to work and they've got to work, but they've got a rotten cold and they're sniffly and snuffly and the germs go everywhere. Yeah, and then everyone's got a rotten cold. And everybody's got a rotten cold. I'm suggesting to do a sign. Now this sign, as you'll know, is handwritten. Sometimes seeing handwritten signs are actually more important than the beautiful ones yeah. that you pay a fortune for, you because you can change that. the beautiful ones are white noise. That's exactly. what you're saying. Yep. So there's a little sign that says, use a tissue for a tissue. Yeah. I guess it's easy. And then having a box there, which you can put the old tissues in. Yeah. So that's a safety measure. Now, some people will say, oh, for goodness sake, does it really matter that much? People will say that, you know that. Mm. How do you appeal to them? I show them what the real issues are, because if you don't adhere to this stuff, there are some serious consequences and very, very expensive. Yeah. I mean, sure, you've got half your staff away with a cold, what are you going to do? Because they've caught it off the fellow worker. That's a, that's a simple thing. Do you then put in form flu vaccinations? Do you put more tissues that people can... Or do you even have little medications for people? So if they come with a, with a common cold, at least you can help them. So tell me some of the big problems that you're solving in the health and safety arena. Some of the really big challenging areas are when people have to be told off mm. or advised what else they can do, even though they've been doing it since Adam was a boy, yeah. in a certain way, to get people to make those changes yes. within their groups and in their teams. Because actually, you know, quite often you do hear, oh, we've always done it like this. Mm. That's quite hard to get around. It is. So I kind of use a Toastmaster. So Toastmasters is a speaking organisation, isn't it? Speaking and leadership. So what you've done is you've taken some of the principles of Toastmasters. Yep. And how is that working? The main principle for Toastmasters is to be able to give feedback. Oh, yes. Good feedback, mm. which you, is helpful. You, you've got to be able to give it in a way that is palatable, yep. don't you? Yeah. The worst way to do it is to be criticising people. Yeah, the trouble with you is that's the worst way to do it. <laughs> when people say that, you yeah. know trouble's coming. Exactly. The best way to do this is to commend that person. What have they done right? Sometimes it takes a bit of a challenge to find what they've done right. But given what they've done right or given what they've done well first, yes. then you get onto some recommendations. I didn't say criticism. I said recommendations on suggestions <laughs> of how it could improve. Yeah, very good. And the sandwich thing, the really thing that works, is finish on a commendation again. Right. Something genuinely good. OK, so you give them a sandwich yeah. that's commendation, recommendation and then commendation yes. again. OK, I get you. So actually you make the feedback just easier to swallow. Yes, and more, not just more palatable, but they can... They can feel that you're with empathy with them. Yes. That you're not just criticising for the sake of it. You're yeah. not just throwing your weight around, but you're helping them. So what would you say if someone said, goodness, I need to give someone some feedback, and they're really not very good at anything? What, what can I do? There'll always be something good at something. If only making the tea. Or using a tissue. Or using a tissue. Or being on time or something. There's yes. always... The, the trick is to find something that is genuinely good. And actually, if you can't find something good in a person, maybe you need to look at yourself. Yes. <laughs> you can always find something good. Fantastic. That's great. That's great advice. You can always find something mm. good in every person. Exactly. Thank you. Next up, the Wild Records music slot with Jesse Wilde. Jesse Wilde! Good to see you. Nice to see you. <laughs> How are things? How have you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. 
How yeah. about yourself? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Still yeah. writing that darn book. But anyway, not How's even going to talk about that. Tell me who's on the show today. <laughs> well, I'm really honoured today because we have Harry Lyon. Wow, Harry from Hello Silo, of course. Yes, absolutely. And um, he was a big influence on my music career because... Yeah. Uh, Several years ago, when I was uh, first starting out. Yeah, several, several years ago. Yeah. Me and my good friend Aaron Carpenter, who was on season one of this show, yeah. we used to go to the Mondesir Pool Bar in Takapuna, and we used to go and watch Harry Lyon and Hammond Gamble play. Wow. Of course Harry we, and Hammond. We had Hammond on the show a That's few right. seasons back as well. Yeah. And we used to go there with napkins and write chords down to the songs <laughs> they were playing. And I remember I did ask Harry if... Uh, and, and they used to only play there maybe once a month, and then we ended up getting a gig there as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, from then on, just I've always enjoyed going to Hello Sally concerts and things like that. And yeah. So it's a real honour to have him here solo. Wow, fabulous. Let's hear Harry Lyon solo. Awesome. Don't know 
Here, brother. Cheers. Good to be here. That was great. Sad song, though. Well, yeah. You bring out, You bring out the worst in me. Oh my goodness. Who who are you singing that to? <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. I wrote it uh, over 30 years ago, so. So you can't be expected to remember. No. So Harry, you're probably best known for being in Hello Sailor. Yeah. 40 years. Wow, that's yeah. a long time. Yeah. That must be just such a huge part of your entire identity. Yeah, well, a part of my life, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, now, tell us a bit about your solo career. Well, it's new. Um, I'm just, I've just finished mixing. It's going to be my first solo album. I thought I'd better get it out before I turn 70, you know. <laughs> turn 70, goodness <laughs> sake. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I hesitate to say they're new songs because some of them were written decades ago, but they, they haven't been recorded. Yeah, very cool. Right, so what was the thing that instigated you deciding after all these years to do your first solo album? Well, I, I, I would have been pretty happy to keep playing the guitar with Hello Sailor, but obviously circumstances just forced me to think, what am I going to do? And I, I've been sitting on a bunch of songs and I was approached by a music publisher actually about doing something for my existing catalogue. and. He said he's still writing songs and uh, he came around to the house and I just played him some stuff on acoustic guitar and he said, you should record an album. And um, how would you do it and who would you, you know, how would you go about it? And I said, well, you know, if I had my you know, wish, I'd get Delaney Davidson to produce it. And he yeah. said, I can arrange that. Sweet. So, um, yeah, I've been working with Delaney and, um, yeah, very cool. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to hear that album. No, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to buying a copy myself. Good. That's it. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, Harry. please. My thanks to all my special guests. To Francis, to Geoffrey, to Annette, to Harry, and, of course, our very own Jesse Wilde. And until next time, don't wait to wake up your wow. <laughs> <laughs> right, mustn't frown while speaking so, to you.